0: Hi, Katie. Hi, Paul. Welcome back to the podcast, Katie. Thank you. I'm in an interesting mood. I don't know how to describe that. How about you? What mood, what sort of mood are you in?
1: I'm good. Okay. Despite staying up all night listening to uh, Taylor's new album. Uh. (laughs) Pouring over every lyric. No, I did. I I did listen a little bit.
0: I didn't know you were a Swifty.
1: Oh my gosh, I love her. Oh, really? Love her.
0: That's not a hot take by any means. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> to be a Swifty, right? What does that mean? A hot take?
0: I mean, it's not like you're breaking new ground by loving Taylor Swift. Oh, oh gotcha. I'm just saying, yes. I'm going through my response to this. Mm-hmm. Like, I was surprised, but for no good reason. I guess I don't, I don't totally understand what her demographic is.
1: I think her demographic 51% stretches clearly across, <laughs> exactly, which makes her such a genius. Mm-hmm. No, I, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about, i have been thinking about music a lot subject Love close that. to your heart. Uh-huh. I know. And I mean, I'm often everyone always comments that I can sing just about any song that comes on the radio from any genre. And mm. I thought, well, oh, you have such a an eclectic musical taste. And I started thinking about why I like the music I like. And of course we all have those times in our life. It's definitely associated with memories and different eras of our life, but And Taylor's a good example. Mine is really tied to people and relationships in my life, because I Mm. think music's one of those amazingly connecting experiences, if you can be open enough. And so every time I think of different bands, different artists I love, people come up, and it's specifically relationships. Mm. So like, you know, classic rock in the 70s, we had my best friends, older sister. Mm -hmm. She's probably eight or nine years older. I mean, we hung out with them all the time and idolized them. Beatles, Skinner, Led Zeppelin. Right. And, you know, thinking back, (laughs) we spent a lot of time over there, like even weekends when she would babysit for us. God, the 70s were a different time. I mean, she was probably only 14 or 15. Mm. And in fact, I remember she couldn't drive us. And my parents were just like, great, go, go for the weekend and her boyfriend hanging about oh my god so, so much could have gone wrong so
0: so you you're saying that the relationships that you built through listening to music
1: yes yeah and it's not even the era and then i had a like a crazy gymnastic coach at the time. Another kind of scary memory of what was so different in the 70s mm-hmm. is we were going in vans to like Omaha and mm-hmm. Scottsbluff, Nebraska and all of your towns in Kansas. But let's see, i really into Motown. So, you know, Aretha and Gladys and all of that. But same time period, but just such different musical tastes. Mm-hmm. NWA, Madonna, Prince, all of that. The Cure, I right? had Alternative, etc. And then, you know, you just go through life. I met John and kind of... Got me into a little bit of country. Mm-hmm. Alt country, not the real country stuff. I still can't do Dwight and things, but you know, he introduced me to my love Brett. Um, but yes, but so Taylor was Karen when she was little. That was her first kind of we went to the concert together and she loved Taylor and some of the boy bands. And now amazingly I'm listening to Metallica and Sabbath, because Karen has become a huge metalhead. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: This will be part of my loss later, but I went to see this metal band called Bring Me the Horizon. And I turned around at some point it was so they are they're like your girlfriend's metal band in that it's pretty pop influenced okay. it it's not like going to a Metallica show like okay. it was a pretty evenly split and a lot of young people and I turned around at some point and I saw a girl that was like Karen's age and I thought, oh shit she could be here <laughs> that would be. A wild moment for both of us. Yes. <laughs> Contextually. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't think she was. And I don't know that she would probably I don't, think she was either. Look I don't know. down on Bring Me the Horizon if she's into Metallica. Oh, yeah. Because the hard it's. The
1: stuff, yeah.
0: It's pretty. Like, I was there. You could draw almost a direct line from the Beatles to Bring Me the Horizon. Oh, interesting. In that they're British yeah. and they're also very concerned. You can tell with with their aesthetics the way they were lit the they were technically very proficient there's a lot of melody weirdly in this okay. metal band a lot of electronic influences and also a real a bit of a commentary like a meta commentary on what's happening in the show itself which was kind of cool
1: I, that sounds really cool yeah, it's I great like the they're sounds great of that. um
0: i mean there's a lot of screaming also <laughs>
1: because of the age demo no, or I mean, because of the music band
0: screaming <laughs> That might be, I was there, I met these two girls who my height really becomes a talking point at concerts, especially this was at the Fillmore, which you know of, it's a just a pretty vast space but yes. it's all flat right so yes there's a lot and of having been to concerts
1: with you there is a kind of a mental calculation that has to go through where where can you stand that right. you don't feel like you're blocking everybody but also hey you're there too so mm-hmm.
0: yeah so there was a so lot of discussion you. of this and so these these two girls come up behind me and they're like ooh would you mind if we stood right in front of you and kind of use you as our shield shield <laughs> okay
1: yeah and,
0: uh they were talking about how they'd listen to Bring Me the Horizon, when they were in middle school, which is like 2006 or something, Okay, back when Bring Me the Horizon was much heavier. Okay. I, though, am a new, a bit of a poser fan. I like the melodic stuff. <laughs> so these two like twenty five year old girls are you. much harder core about bring me the horizon. Okay.
1: So were they disappointed? The direction? They
0: were playfully disappointed okay. in my in both the band's direction and, and in, in my
1: love of the band's Yes, direction. In
0: my recent adoption. But how
1: about your shielding abilities? Were I did they a, I did disappointed? An there? Excellent job. Excellent. They were
0: they were thrilled with my ability to keep the riffraff off of them.
1: So that's good though I mean like John always says now at his age that you know that age demo just it's basically like he's vapor mm. right just like gray wrinkled old vapor. Yeah. People, you, They don't even communicate with him anymore so you're still I mean you're younger than John but
0: I, I also had a um, stocking cap on so they couldn't really oh, it was okay. dark so nobody could tell. I don't, awesome. have, I don't have enough lines on my face yet that they show in the concert. concert venue. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully.
1: Oh my gosh. No, Taylor, check out the album. She, so, that, Taylor. um I haven't listened to it all, but yeah. she has a really good one written about John Mayer. What a coulda shoulda. Woo. Oh. Uh. That's really the only one I've listened to, but it was good. <laughs> So what, pretty uh, biting. And she's really great. I remember when, uh, you know, Craftsy, John's old company, my husband's old company was downtown and she was going through that lawsuit. Remember with the um, I think it was a I, DJ yeah, radio yeah, yeah, yeah. DJ who did something mm-hmm. and um, sort of suing him symbolically. But all of John's employees at the time, really young crew mm-hmm. would put because their windows faced across from the courtyard court building mm. and so they would put up and of course there were a couple cameras there covering that they would put up these messages in sticky notes saying we love you Taylor go Taylor mm. For you know all of that and she would send like these huge beautiful flower arrangements to the staff and company and like bagels and spread oh, wow. it was so nice and then at the end of the trial she sent when she was playing here at the Pepsi Center and in fact that's the concert that Karen and I went to which brings me full circle but she sent I think probably 50 to 75 tickets backstage passes Damn. For all of that crew. Oh, she's wow. just a good person.
0: Yeah. Or yeah, or she's well organized. She's
1: very well organized, right, yeah.
0: Which I respect.
1: But yeah, take a listen, it's good. But yes, music it's so interesting, right? Like that bringing up those memories and the times in our life and that emotional connection.
0: Mhm. I was thinking I like spent more time in my apartment in LA just having people over and listening to records and drinking, mm-hmm. which is there's few things better.
1: Few than things better. Just
0: yep. like, but you got to hear this on vinyl, yes. right? And then, okay, now we move on to the next thing. So note to self, get back but to yeah, that. But yeah, it's
1: pull. that shared experience. And I think there's just something so lovely about people, what the music people like and the way they experience that. And to be able, it's almost like you fall in love with the music because you're so in love with the way people are responding to the music. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's amazing.
0: Do you do karaoke?
1: I don't do karaoke. New, no. Oh. No, 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 no. Interesting no. take. Okay. No, there's no reason to.
0: I I used to think I used to be you. Maybe I can introduce you to karaoke because I was a convert only as of two years ago.
1: Yeah, no. I don't – no one should be held hostage to my singing ability. That doesn't sound fun for me, for anyone with me.
0: Yeah, I felt the – I am a terrible singer also. I mean, I'm not saying you are. I've never heard you sing. But I am a terrible singer, and so I thought I should never do karaoke. But it becomes fun. It's so strange.
1: Even a sober?
0: Mm, no, not for me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Are you gonna do it sober?
1: Yeah, I mean, I do most things sober these days.
0: Well, then you make an exception for karaoke. <laughs> no, we're not going to do karaoke sober. Painful.
1: No, I mean, I'll be open to it, but I just feel like that's just ruining music—the exact thing we were talking about—and <laughs> people's love of music. But maybe not. But I, will, I think it is. It I'm not going to be. I won't be closed off to. I it, think it but.
0: comes back to what you were saying about the the shared experience because. Yeah. Picking the right song that, like, you're right. In LA, one of the reasons I hated karaoke was because people there thought that was their chance to get made famous. Like, somebody would be in the crowd. Oh, goodness. And they would see them pull That's off a Whitney Houston song. And they would say, No one
1: can pull off a Whitney Houston you kid song.
0: Or a star. <laughs> So once, but I found thanks to the girlfriend I had at the time who kind of like nurtured me into this world a bit and we had the right environment, a a basement Chinese restaurant that did karaoke once in a while. Oh goodness. Like every night would just end with karaoke somehow and I found that the fun was trying to. Kind of one-up each other on what would be a song that gets the crowd excited. Gets everyone excited, yeah. Yeah. Not like what you're excited about, but like a song you can sort of simulate that also keeps the crowd happy.
1: That's really funny you say that. One of Thomas's, he went to a little birthday party a couple weekends ago, and they had karaoke there. So he was putting a lot of thought into his song selection. But it was the exact opposite goal. It's like how can I alienate and make this as painful as possible for everyone around me? I think like he chose an Ahas, so, you know, that take on me oh, song because not, of the high notes that uh, he wouldn't be able to sing and it would be so excruciating. And I said, What else did you sing? He said something from Thomas the Tank Engine. I mean, wow. I just all over the place. But Yeah,
0: well he can't come to karaoke.
1: Yeah. No. That's what
0: I'm saying. Do you have a uh, a win from I do
1: have a win. The win is the this time week. of other than Taylor. The win is this time of year for me, which is so beautiful. Mm. Isn't it so beautiful out it here? Really is. Like it's different like, than California beautiful. Oh my.
0: Yeah, it's I was actually thinking <laughs> isn't isn't that uh that's a Mean Girls quote, right?
1: I've never seen that movie. Even though I love Tina Fey, I've never seen that movie. But
0: it's, well, what's your favorite day or something? And the girl goes, hmm, October 3rd, because it's not too warm and it's light enough to need a jacket. But it's, so I was thinking about that about like mid to late October in general. Yes. And I think in Denver into early November, in Kansas, November starts to get a little crappy,
1: chilly, and gray. You guys get the gray.
0: Yeah, we get the gray. I think. It is just stunningly nice, and I am, yeah, I'm very excited about not being in Los Angeles for this part of the year.
1: Just period, probably, but well, yes, that. But especially like, this time of year. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's so nice. You're just right. The so blue so sky saying in the that- least.
1: So the the win is yes, that beauty, but what it does is it is such a mindfulness forcer for me mm. because you can't help, but just get out of your head, whatever's going on in your head, whether you're driving or you're you know lucky enough to be working where there's a window and just be really taken aback. If you let yourself of how beautiful it is, it's like go, it's like an art museum outside mm. our streets mm-hmm. right outside our house. It's so beautiful. All right. What about you?
0: We here in Denver, uh had a booth at the sloan's lake bazaar b-a-z-a-a-r and it was mostly maybe it was
1: also b-i-z-a
0: it was also b-i-z yeah
1: maybe not but it was judgy again
0: no it was pretty bizarre as well um lots of crafty types and
1: uh don't be best those are my people well, <laughs> are I what people. I'm not what me personally I was but
0: just stunned by was the level of organization for some of the booth setter uppers where they just like rolled in at 9 30 and whipped out these like beautiful well-organized displays oh, I love it. of their hats or candles yeah. or there was a cbd dog treat place across it was just really fun to see in a kind of like a real old school craft fair from the middle ages yes. like people just pop up try to sell their wares close down and then get out yeah um so it was
1: and clearly a, doing that a lot because they're yeah, so they, efficient like, they it.
0: have these i mean, we're not going to say as far as like sprinter vans but like Their SUVs are sort of outfitted and ready to do this. We were there just talking to people about what we do in the physical space here in Denver. And and it was fun to have that actual event to prepare for, execute, finish, analyze. Whereas I say this all the time that like so much of all of our lives are in this kind of nether region of I'm sending the emails and I'm moving these things forward, but I don't, there's no completion. I don't have any
1: finite tasks. And so it was
0: really, it was also engaging to have my staff there, the Denver staff, getting them used to explaining what we do to people, seeing it hit for some people or not. And then thinking, okay, what, what about that didn't work? Let's try that again. Yeah. Getting that immediate feedback was also really That's
1: such a good idea.
0: As opposed to, you know, when you're online, you're like, well, I don't know. Are these people getting these emails? Who knows? They could just love it, but they're not responding. Whereas when you're in that moment. So I think just as a reminder to even though it is a lot of work to do something like that, to keep those things on the calendar because they are an interesting like test I think.
1: Yes. And I think so much of what you do here and why it is so appealing to people is that personal nature. And so to see the human beings behind of the the co-working space and who's here and who you can be connecting with and learning from. We were talking about that a little before going on air, this increased remote and isolation, remote working, et cetera, I think has served obviously some, some people really well, but for a lot of people really missing that connection.
0: Mm -hmm. And they're starting to, become aware of that yes like we had a lot yes. of screaming eyes when we said so you know what what's your job this is my job where do you do it well i'm working from home so is my boyfriend and my dog and their <laughs> eyes are just like help me
1: <laughs> <laughs> i got it those kind of screaming yeah. eyes, the <laughs> hostage eyes mm-hmm. i need help that's fabulous. And I think
0: it was – it's also, again, that – And
1: reminding yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Right. That it, connection with people, what people are doing, what they need.
0: Mm-hmm. And the the physicality of it even, of the setting up of the booth, of the thinking about the logistics of where we're going to put this table and that table. Annoying in the moment, but then you realize, oh, we, again, built something mm-hmm. briefly and then tore it down. And that has just this real – this is a very simplistic thing But we're detached from this so often that it is hard to remember that it has so much power.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's, again, kind of a forced mindfulness function of of being aware and being present.
0: Yeah. And then also getting the best kind of tired at the end of the day. Yeah. Just like, I'm going to make it to my bedroom and then collapse from all of this lifting and talking. Yeah. which yes. I think is helpful.
1: Did you buy anything?
0: No. I bought some coffee and I was doing a lot of coordinating. Okay. I had the worst meal I've had in ages. We This is not a topic of conversation, but at some point, restaurants are going to have to come to terms with the fact that you can't charge $15 for tiny sandwiches and stuff. Like, we gotta, we're gotta, we going to have to come up. We're going to have to meet in the middle somewhere.
1: I think <laughs> we have to. I think there has to be huge protests. I think they are getting away with a lot. Yeah. Well, I think these days,
0: I think they were able to get away with a lot, and then inflation has happened, and so rightfully they have had to increase their prices. Some of it is also us as consumers being discerning about yes, like,
1: but that like, gets hard for some of us when food and discernment don't necessarily go hand in hand, right, and you don't just, plan well, and you're starving, and then you're you're yeah, doling that's, out that's twenty the, bucks for whatever you know, I had what this you have. Meal like
0: that was it was supposed to be like. Avocado and an egg on top of, I think, some roughage. And it was like a a spoonful. I'm already
1: confused because I don't hear any carbs. (laughs) I don't hear any bread. A spoonful of
0: avocado that was kind of brown, and then a like boiled egg remnants on top of like boiled cabbage. And you're oh. like, this cost you 40 cents to make. I Like, what are I'm we doing? I'm
1: even more concerned that you willingly sold well, that I choice. Didn't, I didn't
0: know it was going to be a bowl of cabbage. It was like I was in ancient Ireland, ancient, 200 years ago, Ireland. And somebody just served me boiled cabbage and said, that'll be $15. And I'm like, well, what now?
1: Breakfast is the worst. It's the biggest scam out there. And I think it's all the young people and the whole drinking and brunching. brunching, But we, I mean, we went out this weekend after a similar sort of booth experience, but quite different. We went to Collecticon. Uh, it was on Thomas's list. It's okay. very much, it's in the same vein as Comic-Con. Right. You know, a lot of anime, a lot of Pokemon cards, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were there in person. A lot of people who the voiced the anime, the actual TMNT. ones, they came, yep, up from the sewer, and they, a lot of people who voiced the animes were there with their booths. The headliner, Vanilla Ice. What? Yes. And so I have to say, so I had forgotten, Thomas has been on me for ages to do this, and i it's been slipping my mind unintentionally or intentionally. But no, I knew how much he meant. So I realized on Friday the night before we were gonna to go to the mountains and I was like, Oh John, we a little detour here. We've gotta to go to this. Where did this happen? It's at the convention center oh, okay. downtown. So it's a little bigger booth than your guys' thing. It's <laughs> Just a bit, yeah. Um but so I said, Oh my gosh, we have to go and when he's getting tickets, of course, grumbling about how much that is and and then Karen and I saw they had backstage passes available for vanilla ice. You know, it's about 1130, which is way past my bedtime on a Friday. So I'm delirious. But it's it's it was like when I, you know, used to drink. I mean, I still drink some, but and you are not in the right mind. You're making poor judgment. And we were just heckling him. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. We've. Got, I mean, what a story to be backstage with vanilla ice and see what. And he's just like, no, no, no. We we're so cranky with him. I literally woke up. The first thing that came over me was thank. Thank God, thank God you did not do that. Can you imagine how awkward and we, I mean, that's awkward anyway, even if the band is cool and you like them, how awkward that would have been. Anyway, we were there and Thomas got a Katana and an anime poster and some Pokemon stuff. But the point of that story is we went to breakfast before and for the four of us, it was $67 Mm. and John said this entire meal would cost Right. Six. It's eggs.
0: Yeah. Eggs. Again. Yes. Oh, um, anyway. Let's go back to Vanilla Ice. So, you didn't <laughs> see him perform?
1: <laughs> we we did not. We were almost. So, he we, was, he, this he was performing. I'm, this is
0: where I'm confused. He was the headliner, but he was performing music.
1: He was performing music. And that's
0: unrelated to Collecticon. It's just a generational thing. I'm do you not think? sure how like, they
1: selected that. These because people are... speaking of things that span generation, It was it was so wonderful. I absolutely loved it i mean people talk about people who are just in pure joy right right in their costumes you had kids you had older people you had mm-hmm. everyone in between and so yeah i think when you think about spanning generations you think of taylor swift and vanilla ice
0: <laughs> that's that is what comes to mind i was in a bar in kansas city where vanilla ice was celebrating his birthday which is weird because he's yeah. not from kansas city i think he was just on tour he or was something. just on tour clearly. and um A looked pretty good for his age. Yeah, I
1: thought so too. Good job,
0: Vanilla Ice. Yeah, and B is, I defend a lot of musicians, and Ice Ice Baby is an amazing song. But the rest of that album is terrible. So like the fact that he's been able to make it a career off of truly one song, like there's a lot of people, a lot of musicians that people think are one hit wonders that turn out to have a pretty substantial yeah. second or third place song yeah. and that is not the case no. with
1: and that's why i think this was the perfect venue it was not a concert it right. was okay now from two to 220 or two mm. to however long ice, ice baby is yeah. two to 212 vanilla ice will be playing right right but
0: did you have a loss from the last week
1: i did um i've been doing a lot of moral policing and it is something I've worked a lot on in my life in general. I work a lot with my clients on um, and do a pretty good job with, except when it comes to something having to do with my children and mm-hmm. other people treating my children
0: Poor Define moral policing. So
1: moral policing, any, you know, the, the biggest indicator we're policing morally is when should comes into play with Mm. respect to other people. They should or shouldn't be doing this, thinking this, feeling this
0: Mm. essentially, right? right?
1: They, this, they should not be acting this way. They should not be doing this. Mm -hmm. They should know better. They should do this. Like I do it. They should be as concerned with their work. They should be on and on and on. Right. Mm Hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. Can't control that. Just leads to us anxious, upset, resentful, frustrated. Does nothing for us. What can we control ourselves? So, you know, a lot of this work is anytime I'm in judgment of somebody else like this, how can I turn this around about me? How can, how do I do that in my life? How can I control that? How can I feel better? And then how can I know that that's what they're thinking or doing, or that's the motivation behind that, or that doing the thing I think they should be doing is better for them or me? Right. Just trying to cut down that rabbit hole of just spinning out. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to my children and other kids treating them poorly, I get very policey morally about other parents. And frankly, that's the one area that I probably have the biggest problem with in general, people judging parenting, right? Particularly, you know, people who aren't parents or before they have kids. I mean, we all do it, but- there's just, it, oh my gosh, it is so hard. It is so hard to be a parent and you are just operating out of fear all the time and doing your best and you cannot control all the actions of your children and you don't even know that that has anything to do with parents, but it's so easy to say, oh my gosh, those kids are acting so awful. Mm. They are parents. Why are not they talking to them? Why are they putting up with that? How would they, how would they feel if someone was doing that to their kid? Mm. a so lot of more policing. Was there
0: a specific example of yeah. this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What is it?
1: <laughs> it's just just some terrible girls that are are, are really mean to mean Karen. girls. Yeah, if you will. a lot of mean girls. Mm-hmm. And again, you look at them; they're doing the best they can. They're nervous. They're insecure. Everybody is doing the best they can. But again, when it, your child is a target, oh, it hits you differently. Mm-hmm. And so I lose I lose some objectivity there. But I don't go to oh, these girls are so awful. Right. Their behavior is awful. I go then to the parents
0: but so what happened
1: they are leaving her out they don't talk to her they've talked to her on text and mm. then they don't talk to her in real life and mm. it's just kind of mean girl neglect stuff or oh yeah come with us and then she'll go with the way where they are and they're not there they've decided to do something else and uh, it's, it's yeah. her team right it's the mm. volleyball team they're kind of the popular girls and you know it's it's just been tough Yeah, and I think Karen is threatening to a lot of them because at that age, which I tell her, the key to success is to be able to mask, to be able to you know kind of Mm -hmm. be somebody different no matter what's going on, and to be really socially manipulative. And so these girls are like five moves ahead; they are at a you know PhD level master's seminar of social manipulation. And Karen lover, which is what makes her amazing, is. This is this, what you see is what you get. What's on in my mind is coming out mm-hmm. um, very one dimensional, but so amazing. Right. That's how I think we all should strive to be, mm-hmm. but doesn't stand a chance with these social ninjas. So, so
0: they're, she's playing checkers and they're playing nuclear brinkmanship. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, she's playing like, yeah, marbles. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is.
0: I was actually, when I was at that show the bring me the horizon show, one of my Worst fears, as is true of all adults, is getting roasted by teenagers. <laughs> like a group of teens just destroying you about something.
1: And it's, they can do it with just a look. I know. It's just, it just a like, look.
0: A, it could be so easy. So mm-hmm. I was actually on guard because I think that it does, what she's going through right now does armor you for the rest of your oh, life. the rest
1: of your life. Right. Because it's so mean and cutting and brutal. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. I drive in there to drop her off and then I drive out, which is taking my life into my own hands. Mm. Every time. I mean, a public high school, letting out or going into school with those yeah. kids driving. I mean, she even pointed it out today. She's like, look at that kid. He barely brushed his hair today. Mm-hmm. I see him in class. Like his boogers flying out of his nose and he's operating a motor vehicle. It's right. such a disconnect. But yeah. So I'm all up in arms with them in the parking lot and then they just shoot you this look like oh right. my gosh you boomer what are you doing out here and I'm like crumbling and
0: yeah yeah what has been your coping mechanism
1: my or, coping mechanisms for moral policing yeah what yeah, has have been your have to reset your... again then I go to when I finally get re-regulated
0: mm-hmm. and what's um, your re-regulation method as far as like is there a place you go is there something you do is there a coffee you drink what's the
1: so it's kind of twofold it's it's a Just letting myself have those emotions, like get really mad, get really resentful, and feeling them, Mm. and then doing a lot of kind of yeah body work, breathing, regulating, music wise. Oftentimes, take a bath if I'm really upset about stuff, a sensory experience, and then once I'm calmer, there I can do the cognitive rewiring, reframing work of okay, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. what is this about?
0: So is that something that you? Plan into your day already. No. Nope. Oh, it's more like I see that I'm in the red on this.
1: uh, On this issue, and yeah. here's what's going to happen. It's going to bleed out in all sorts of other ways. I'm. Mm-hmm. There are going to be targets. John's going to be a target, as he will tell you. The kids will indirectly because I'm frustrated. I am so agitated. Mm-hmm. Uh, my fuse is so short.
0: So, how do you recognize that you are? Because one of the difficult
1: Absolutely. aspects
0: is when you're redlining. It's real hard to know that you're redlining, yeah. right? Totally. So I mean, you-
1: and, and a lot of times it's, it's after the fact, but I think you can, I start getting, I start getting clues again. I, in the more work you do with connecting sort of what emotion you're feeling, which is hard for all of us. We're so bad at emotional awareness. Number one, is this mm-hmm. hunger or boredom or, mm-hmm. or rage? I mean, for decades I was just kind of like, ah, I feel fine <laughs> or I feel not good. Right, and it's the it's it's the truth for all of us. And so, a recognizing that, really doing some emotion work of emotion vocabulary, emotion awareness, and then where do I feel that in my body? That connection. Mm. There are so many people who cannot describe physiologically how they feel when they're angry or when they're upset. What's going on for them? Oh, I you know my heart's beating faster, or I feel hot in my face, et cetera. So doing a lot of that work. I've done a lot of that work. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's often when you just start acting, it's usually at the behavior phase for me. And it's like, okay, I just got short with somebody or I'm exhausted. That's another big cue for me. Mm -hmm. So what is really going on here? Or I'm cursing these people. people my mind, that's usually a really good clue. I'm judging, judging. So, and so it doesn't happen. I mean, it, it doesn't happen usually at the moment, but it, it tends to get closer and closer to the moment. And if you have time, Mm -hmm. even if it's just sitting or, oh, this will be a good time for an afternoon meditation right now, just to reset.
0: Yeah. I think that's the, I guess what I'm driving toward is, is how to build these things into people's lives so that it's regular, you know, like what is the thing you can do that, Cues you to take note right yeah. uh, meditation obviously being a, a good example, but um, it, my sense is always that it's helpful to have that other person in your life that can
1: check check you. in
0: just like hey what's going on yeah um, and the more regular that can be, the better obviously yeah,
1: absolutely and again, it's not love to have it all there and preventative so we don't get to a mm-hmm. place where we're feeling like we're losing control behaviorally or emotionally but Right, we have to give ourselves that sometimes. It
0: yeah, before you know it, for sure. Um, uh, what about
1: you? For Your me,
0: it's sort of a lost win, loss win. I guess in now that we're thinking about it. So I mentioned that I was excited about seeing this band. Mm-hmm. I don't get excited about much. <laughs> like it's not. I'm frustrated all the time when I see <laughs> in an email. I'm so excited to do X. And you're like, you're not excited about that. Like, that's not. Excited is Christmas morning and I'm at the love of my life. And like, let's keep it, let's keep the terms to what they actually are.
1: I mean, like, we don't, I don't, real true excitement, I think you experience as a child. And then.
0: And it's pretty rare. Right. Like, we would,
1: I I remember going to Disneyland with the kids and John was like, oh my God, just that pure excitement. I will never feel that that way again. I mean, he said, you could lead me into a room with Penelope cruise and selma hayek whoever it was at the time for a threesome and i'd be like what's the catch or yeah, what's wrong and i'd also be like
0: this is, i'm nervous because this is gonna go bad <laughs> so, somehow they're judge yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally this, something's we just
1: go. rip all excited so, so you're right so
0: it is pretty rare that i could truly say i'm excited about something <laughs> yeah right. and i don't mean i don't mean that i'm not looking forward to things but when people are like i i deal with and and follow and interact with a fair number of comics online and they will always be like i'm so excited to be on this show and you're like no you're not you're definitely afraid that you're gonna screw up i yeah. know you yeah. <laughs> like you're yeah. it, you're glad that you have this opportunity anyway point of the story though is that i was actually excited about this concert
1: how did you feel the excitement in your body like how um, did you know it's excitement and not just oh, and not be. just
0: uh, i think it's it was a true like jitteriness, jitteriness like because yeah. i don't know a ton about this band. But like a lot of their stuff, they were playing at a venue that is small, which is exciting because they usually play arenas. If they were playing in oh, wow. Europe or South America, it would be in an arena. I It's two blocks from my house. I had sort of made the plan in my life that, like, this is blocked off time. Yes. And... I'm going by myself. I don't have to like entertain anybody. <laughs> I'm yes. just gonna have a time, you know. So the and so th- you're reason- also
1: able to build up that anticipation with that planning ahead, which I think is a really good right. key. I to mean, that, I was that it we was, don't do enough of. It
0: was down to the show was the show doors were at five and the show was at six because it's on Colfax and I think they have a curfew or something. So I had even gone to the level of like I got to get everything done by four o'clock. Yeah. and all this. The loss, though. Is that a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine was like, hey, I run this thing in Denver that's once a month on a Friday morning. It's called Creative Mornings. People may have heard of it because it's a national thing. And you should, while I'm still in charge of it, you should do a 30-second pitch for the process at Creative Mornings, nice. right? It'll be a good opportunity because it also goes out in our newsletter. And I like this guy a lot. Didn't I knew he had sort of gone out of his way to help me. So I said yes, even though the thing started at 7.30 a.m. the morning after this concert that I've been looking forward to for four months where I had also sort of factored uh, in.
1: A sleep-in period. Just let yourself
0: yeah. – I mean, if if the show lets out and you want to go have a drink somewhere, Paul, or whatever. Not worrying about now, the night just ending. Just don't have to worry. So what this means is that I really had to be mindful of like it's – I'm going to have – two beers and then I'm going to go home and go to bed and get up at six. And then, then I have to go give a brief presentation, by the way, giving a 32nd pitch is harder than giving a three minute pitch,
1: your elevator pitch. Right. So So
0: the loss was the slight people pleasing of saying yes. The win was I was able to mitigate this and find a middle ground. It wasn't that big of a deal. The loss again was my pitch was only fair because I It's. I just wasn't great at 30 seconds. I need to get better at that. The win is now knowing how to do that next time. Yes. Right. And I think marshalling those expectations of myself, like let's say I had shown up hungover to this thing. It wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. I thought, oh, I don't want to screw this up for my friend. Probably he wouldn't have noticed, right? Or cared. Uh, But I was putting so much value on
1: so the people-pleasing was more not saying yes to doing it in the first place, but having— I think it was having- dual,
0: yeah. It was—this this feels like an opportunity that's not going to come around Right, I need again. to take advantage should of it. I take this. advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was also, well, what will people think of me if I'm disheveled? <laughs>
1: dishevelment
0: <laughs> but it wouldn't i mean again it doesn't yes. it was attached i was attaching a lot more importance to it than was that's probably a good necessary one to
1: really and then did you look around and see how many people were actually disheveled at oh, that time of the morning
0: I, that's the thing you can't tell right you never can, you can really never tell no. if people might have been i don't, I don't know yeah. what they were feeling or thinking so anyway it yeah. was uh some of each and
1: But I'm going to go back to, I love the, how intentional you were with that concert. I think we don't do enough of that. Mm -hmm. This is, I'm going to plan this. I'm going to make space for this. We, and then really allow ourselves to get excited and and feel that anticipation. There's not enough of that in our lives.
0: For all of us, it's, to me, live shows, live music is one of the few things that I truly can look forward to. So also... Understanding that it needs to be maximized when it can be, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's, Paul, you're not. You, there's not a lot of. Thing, I don't really love. I like going to movies, just fine, but it's not like a big, excited right. I don't get excited about that. Yep. Um. I'm not. I don't get particularly excited about traveling anymore. I used to. Yeah.
1: No, I talked about that last week. Yeah. Right?
0: It's uh, okay. I mean, I'll get, I'll get but finding ways. I will say that I get excited about getting on a road trip, staying in a new city, going to – like those kinds of – Being intentional. Yeah. So figuring out what are these exact things and then like you're saying, it's okay that I don't get that pumped about movies anymore. I used to, kind of, but now that's not really a thing. Now let's focus on the things I do love. I love going to a boutique weird hotel in a random city, and maybe it costs thirty dollars more a night, but mm-hmm. it's worth it's it worth because I'm not staying at a Holiday Inn Express, and therefore I have this experience and yeah, those yes. those kind of understandings I think are yep
1: that awareness and attention. You, uh, uh, you is there any music you don't like? You're p- pretty eclectic too. Pretty you just eclectic. Can't do yeah, can't any genres? do. Um,
0: not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was trying to explain to somebody just the other day that my love of douche country, and yeah. they didn't understand it, but
1: is that like the pop popular country? Or, yeah. Like yeah. the,
0: like people will say, you know, I've really come around. I like country now. And I'm like, well, but do you like Florida Georgia line? Cause I do. That's
1: douche country. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm
0: into that stuff. Not only
1: alt country pop country.
0: Yeah. Well, wait, pop country or alt country?
1: Both. I can well, well, pop, pop country. country is like, no, no, no. I don't mean that. That's I mean basically alt, douche country. I mean, um, rock.
0: Oh, right. You like the,
1: I basically like the old 97. Rock and that's and, it. Yeah. <laughs> Or the
0: Jayhawks, maybe
1: jam bands. I can't do those either.
0: Yeah, that's true. I hate jam bands. Fuck jam bands. Um, <laughs> okay, so we have a great question to get into here that I'm I think so will excited. be um, that will be appropriate for. I am
1: excited for this. Oh, okay, really? It. Yeah. <gasps> and I can't hide it. Where do
0: you feel it in your body? <laughs> I So Morgan says, I'm struggling with managing intrusive demands on my time by others that make my own focus and follow through, not for work but for personal things, particularly challenging. I'm struggling with encouraging others to take accountability for managing their own time and challenges. well. I would love if you could address ways to shift from a complaint-based mindset to a solutions-based approach, which seems appropriate based on what you were talking about as far as feeling the feelings.
1: Mm, yes.
0: You were mentioning – Doing the, the sad or the complaining, right? Mm-hmm. And then moving through that, what comes to mind for you?
1: This is a great question, by the way. Mm-hmm. So a few things come to mind. And again, so the struggle to manage the intrusive demands on my time by others, I'm struggling with encouraging others to take accountability for managing their own time. Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Right. That's, that's where my brain goes immediately. So, Mm. so much of that, that I think that frustration we feel and the struggle is the hopelessness and the powerlessness we know of expecting anybody to manage their time. Now, this is different, obviously, if you're managing people or there's some responsibility there or your children or other people in your life to some extent. And it goes back to how can I take accountability for managing my own time so often, maybe it's a boundaries issue or a saying no issue, or, um, I, I can manage other people demands only become intrusive if we let them, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. I can do this or I cannot, or I can let this person take this on and maybe not do a great job of it. But that is a way I can manage not feeling like my time is constantly intruded upon. Mm -hmm. It's bound. I think it just comes back to boundaries for me.
0: I think it's also. Am I missing it? No, you're right. Um, I was thinking too about leadership. In that, did you ever go to any of those like leadership conferences when you were a kid? Mm -mm. (laughs) They were always such bullshit. It would just be, hey, let's send two kids from each school to this quote leadership
1: conference. Yes, I would not have been chosen for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think (laughs) it's shockingly. it turned out – I mean in some ways they were right that it, there was no overt discussion of leadership. It was more just like get people interacting and mm-hmm. into small groups and see how they behave, which is weird mm-hmm. in retrospect. I do think that leadership gets a bad rep because it seems – not a bad rep. It gets misconstrued often mm-hmm. because we tend to think that we – that leadership is controlling people. And pointing them in a direction, right? Now, I I suppose there's some of that that's inherent to leadership, but a lot of it is also process-based, sorry for the internal reference, (laughs) regarding our own behavior. Leading by example, setting communication standards, and then trusting, like a parent has to trust, that things will go okay.
1: Yes, and, yes. and I
0: think that's one of the things that, you know, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago, I think about our vision of what a public speaker should be and what public speaking should be versus what actually works. And I think leadership is similar. When people talk to me about like leadership training, it always kind of eludes me because I'm like, ah, it's a really hard thing to train in the traditional understanding of what leadership mm-hmm. is. But if you can start to train, like you said, how do you set up boundaries? how do you exist and now how can we give people tools to decide to either behave that way or not? Mm -hmm. And then if they don't, We're going to have to fire them. (laughs) Yeah, I know, which
1: is easier said than done. But you're right. And so much of it is the modeling of a leader mm -hmm. is the modeling of this is how I manage my time. This is how I delegate. This is how I say no. Um, This is how I look to sort of problem solving and solution based versus just complaining. And that's that's a real interesting balance as well, because so much of the time and i think a lot of our uh, extra burden and stress is when we go immediately to this problem solving and yeah that's an absolute skill we need to have in certain areas of our life in particular professional situations but if we allow for a little of the complaining that's that validation piece and and the hearing and letting people just sort of voice here's this problem here's what i'm feeling about this there's there's a you know letting go of uh, their attachment to everything that's wrong. And we don't if we don't jump to feeling like we need to solve everything or have them happy or have them be able to solve these problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it takes a lot of the stress off of ourself. So balancing the OK, somebody may not be happy or they're thinking I need to do this for them okay, let's just talk about this. Mm -hmm. Hey, what, what are your concerns here? What are some things you can do? And also letting them fail. Like you say, then that gives us a lot of information on a, is this the right person in this position? Or I'm thinking more professionally based, but I think she's talking Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. personal things, but that too. So if a friend, we've talked about this before, but okay, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? you know, I can't. It doesn't mean I don't care about you. It doesn't mean that I'm not um, wanting to uh, make your life easier, but hey, mm-hmm. maybe they can find somebody else or reach out or establish a connection or figure out how to do it themselves. It's modeling that. Right. And, that and so I think like,
0: as you mentioned that one of the main points of this question is like, it's, it's screwing up her own focus and, and follow through. So yes. working backwards instead of going top down and saying, here's how I need you to behave, modeling the behavior in your own personal life, and then working back up into how that provides an example for people at work or in the professional settings. Um, You know, another thing that came up as you were talking about the need to do the complaining is the power of community and support groups where you can go do the complaining Mm -hmm. To people who are in a similar position as you, but mm-hmm. not complaining to your staff or yeah. necessarily to the people who are involved in that personal life mm-hmm. goals that you might have. But being able to – that's the power of the the business group that you belong to maybe or, yes, or the like absolutely. where you get together and you're just like, Jesus Christ, these people were driving me insane and mm-hmm. I wish they would do that. And then you can get it all out and then come back to – sort of stasis I think and yes
1: and even in the getting it out it help, we all i know just have i think a hardwired cringe response to complaining and our our um, reflexes to try to solve or to avoid mm-hmm. but in the complaining and the allowing people to complain and that's a, a great point you bring up in terms of the right venues for that but people can begin to articulate for themselves what they're complaining about, what the issues are, and ideally then think about ways to solve them. But we can't go to solving if we don't feel like mm-hmm. we're being heard or we've even articulated for ourselves what's wrong in the first place.
0: Yeah, the, the, A thing I sometimes think about as the uh, leader of a small business is how I often need to go into actor mode before I walk into a situation with my staff. And I think it's important to clarify that from what I learned of acting, which I had a really amazing teacher. It's not like I was quote an actor, but I had this really great opportunity to learn how to act because of the TV pilot. A lot of it is the job of centering yourself, making yourself open, making yourself vulnerable, but also being aware that you are on stage, right? Like there is a, just sure, inherently yeah. you're you're in front of a crowd. So you're not going to allow everything in. You're <laughs> a slightly different version of yourself, hence the term acting. <laughs> and that there's value in that with public speaking. There's value in that with walking into your business where you're about to be inundated with God knows what complaints, but that you're in a different role than if you're with your friends. So I can't just be like, Dude, what the fuck? I can't deal with that right now. Mm -hmm. That's not an appropriate response, right? Mm -hmm. An appropriate response is, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Let me think about it. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. Yeah.
1: Or Um, even, okay, let me hear this. And what do you think, as you're saying this, as you're articulating, mm -hmm. what do you you think? What would help? What are your ideas? Right. Instead yeah. of that reflexive need to let I got a problem solve because so much, the association is I hear a complaint I've got to take care of it or I've got to make this person happy mm-hmm. whether it's personally or professionally but oh okay mm-hmm.
0: and I so I think there is we endeavor toward vulnerability but it's a different it's and a boundaries. different kind so it's vulnerability of vulnerability yeah, boundaries right it's vulnerability and boundaries mm-hmm. being able to be open and honest but not behave, ex- it's code switching also, right? Like mm-hmm. understanding that like, I need to behave this way with my staff and I'm going to behave another way. And also then forgiving yourself when that doesn't
1: work Happen. out. <laughs> but you know, when you think about it, the, when you are as open and honest as you can be, then things like you know I don't have time for that, or I don't have the bandwidth for that right now, or I'm not the best person to talk to about this right now mm-hmm. becomes a lot easier too. Even the boundaries piece of it, yeah. It's right. just the 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 code switching is the the way you present it. I mm-hmm. think the mm-hmm. the manner it goes through, but it also makes it makes me think of again this. What's the word I'm looking for the the usefulness of helping people are ironic, helping people articulate whatever it is that's going through their brain right now, what I'm doing myself, but particularly when it's emotional um, or like I go back to the seminar that we had here about a month ago and a, a big piece of it was having people Articulate their goals. Mm. And it's so amazing to me how much people struggle with just even something like that. So it's in their mind and either kind of an emotional sense or a vague sense. But one of the brilliant things you did were taking people's sort of meandering descriptions of what they'd like to do and really making a, a c- concrete, articulate, um, tangible goal mm-hmm. out of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of what the quote-unquote complaint or the complaint-based mindset, that's a lot of what that is as well. And if we can shut down that immediate reflex to make it go away or to solve it and to help people work through what it is they're trying to say, like mm-hmm. I just did <laughs> poorly. Does that make sense?
0: Right. So it's
1: – again, we, it's putting the onus on them yeah, to how solve. Do,
0: how, how can I bucket what you're saying, right, such that it is then – uh, either solvable or not solvable. Yeah. Right. Like it, let's put it into its category. Like th- there's a lot of information in the world these days. I think about how one of our brain's main jobs is to categorize things. So, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm walking into a building. This is a building. This is what buildings are usually like. It's yes. not new to me. I've been in a building before. Yes. Um, that's a backhoe. What do backhoes usually do? Whereas when we are, th- we're thrown off when things are <laughs> that was one of the most unsettling things about having that car come through the wall in Culver <laughs> city.
1: Yes. W- yes. Wrong
0: context for a car to be in my lap. Yes. Right. Like what how? I right. brain doesn't know how to make no, sense. Of I mean, this. that's
1: the trauma response, right? right? It's just so out of what we're mm-hmm. conditioned. In and so, sense so, so yeah. Too.
0: So like helping people figure out like, well, what kind of complaint is this? Is this a complaint of like, if we're assuming you're dealing with like a staff member, is this something's going on in your personal life and that's thrown you off? Or is this truly like the water pipe is broken and we have to fix this today? Mm -hmm. Like where does this get categorized?
1: And really helping people do that.
0: I think the last piece from my perspective is to pay attention to ego in that we can often take on a lot of other people's stuff because it, on some deep level feels good to be needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so checking in with, it, do I really need to help with this or is it just helping me feel necessary?
1: Absolutely. And
0: that's, I, I'm working with a couple of people in some one-on-one capacities and especially high achievers tend to get a little attached to that feeling of being Needed or wanted, in that is its yeah, own loss. Yeah, we all
1: do. I mean, that's again, that basic human need. I mm-hmm. think that's a great point. And so, because it's so intertwined with then the responsibility piece, which is obligation and resentment, mm-hmm. but it's tied into, I mean, we always, why do I keep saying, Yes. When I mean no, or why do I keep doing these things? There's a reinforcement piece to our behavior all the time. And that's, that's the dopamine hit. Oh, I, mm. I came through, I'm needed, I'm necessary. I'm, i I can figure this out. And so mm. honoring that piece of it, but being really clear about it and aware about it as well, as long as it's not getting into being, feeling like your own excuse me, life is is being thrown off track or things are too intrusive or burdensome or obligating.
0: And that's also where it can come back to this uh, modeling in your own life, right? So let's get away from the ego of I'm needed and instead just focus purely on I'm okay existing, sitting here and listening to this piece of music. Yes. And then actually – I'm pretty happy this way. Yes. I, I don't need the overstimulation of, of people calling me or whatever else it's going out and looking at the leaves or taking mm-hmm. the hike and then recognizing that the world will continue to spin.
1: Yes. Without me and my intervention.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Yes. 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 I love it.
0: Great question, Morgan. I hope that helped. Thank you, Morgan. And uh, we hope that listening to our podcast helped you in some way and that you'll uh, take a breath here at the end and, pay attention to wherever you are in the world see the leaves listen to the music
1: sing karaoke in chinese restaurant basements
0: exactly correct we'll talk to you next time hey friends paul here i really appreciate you listening the executive producer of the process podcast is rich burner Music came to us courtesy of Kevin McLeod at incompetech.filmmusic.io. I'll talk to you again soon.